Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Ajaran Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Hey, welcome back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Just to uh, conclude our conversation on what Randy Moss said on NFL Countdown, I, I think the moral of the story is it was just a weird reach by Randy Moss to bring up Duval, whether it's violence or a crime rate or whatever. I just have never seen it done in that context when relating to a coaching hire. I mean, people yeah. have taken jobs in Oakland and Detroit and Chicago and other places, and there's issues in just about every big city, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was really a weird reach by Randy Moss to do that. Uh, but it will also, at the end of the day, I think it shows an NFL fraternity that is not necessarily just willing to open the door to a college guy coming in. doesn't matter the resume. You're a college guy. That's the way you've been. And until you prove otherwise and you can get it done here, well... We ain't letting you in until you showcase you can do that. Rex Ryan kind of said it that way. Yeah. You could almost tell by the way Brewski was talking, although I thought Brewski's comments were very uh, well intended, and I think he brought up a good point. And then Randy Moss, I think he just kind of piled on that. It's the NFL, man. This isn't college anymore. Yeah, exactly. And listen, they took one soundbite of what Urban Meyer said, saying there's similarities uh, with college football and pro football on the field. And I would agree with that. Okay, I like I don't think more than ever before, by the way, especially on offense. Right. So Urban Meyer wasn't wrong when he said that. But the problem that Teddy Bruschi even made, and especially Randy Moss, is you try to make it about the off the field stuff. Right. When you cross the white lines, it's different than the off the field stuff. Yes, Jacksonville can be a rough city. All right. Randy Moss spent some time playing for the Tennessee Titans. I've been to Nashville a couple times. Guess what? Nashville, it's a fantastic city, but it's also some rough parts to it, too. Like any big city. That's just the way it is. So I think Randy Moss, um, you know, he, he tried to make a point. It snowballed out of control. Like, I don't need to show him around Jacksonville, Brent. I'll be honest with you. you I will. You, you guys can do that if you want. But, like, what, what is that going to prove, man? Like, Every city's got good parts, and every city's got bad parts. Like it's a, What Randy Moss needs to do is say, you know what? My comments were taken out of context. I apologize. I didn't mean to offend anybody, and let's move on from there. Like If I'm Randy Moss's PR people, that's what I would do. Because, listen, like I, I'll be the first one uh, to talk smack about somebody that talks smack about my city in Jacksonville. I'll be the first one up, right? That's why Gene Fournette called me and said, do you say something about it? Like, but you know what? That wasn't Randy Moss's intention, all right? Randy Moss has been to a lot of NFL cities. You know how it operates. I just think that he tried to make a point, and it snowballed out of control. And you know what, man? Like, there's a lot of wars to fight. There's a lot of battles to fight. But in my opinion, myself and Randy Moss isn't one of those battles, in my opinion. Well, let's so. duke it out with Jason Fitz instead. I mean, he's probably easier to take down anyway. <laughs> oh, absolutely, man. So uh, sweep uh, the leg, Johnny. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, let's go get him. Uh, Jason leg. Fitz from Spain and Fitz, 7 o'clock ESPN Radio all across the country. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. What's happening, man? How you doing? I'm I'm a little bewildered, and you guys are right. Like I'll be honest, I I had not paid any attention to or heard the comments. So when you guys mentioned Randy Moss, I pulled up an article while you were talking about it, and it's the first I've seen of it, and it's outrageous. I'll be honest. I mean, uh, my my initial reaction 
uh, is that you made the point in Nashville. Yeah, there are there are parts of Nashville that are absolutely unsafe. I'll never forget watching when I was living in one of those unsafe places. You know, somebody got shot in my front lawn. So, uh, and that's ten minutes from the stadium. So, I, I don't think that you can necessarily sit there. And also, let's remember that Moss did play for a short stint where he quit on his team with the Raiders when they were in Oakland. Like, uh, yes, the Bay Area. I went to the first Raiders game I went to as I was leaving the stadium. I asked somebody as I was leaving. I said, "Hey." We want to go somewhere and get a drink. Where can we go? And the really kind security person said, oh, my God, no, you have to immediately get on the train and get away from the stadium. This is not a safe area. Mm. So, like, I, I don't really understand why Duval County would have anything to do. Let's be real. When you're making Urban Meyer money, you build that house wherever you want to build that house, and you have a car service take you in if you have to. So I'm not really sure why where that county is would have anything to do or the violence in that county but have anything to do with why a coach would or wouldn't take a job. It seems like an absolutely strange statement from Austin to make. Yeah, Jason Fitz with us here on ESPN 690. And, and I, I think Austin's right. I think he tried to one-up a little bit. And I don't know if we could take it out of context. I think he just delivered it maybe in, in not the way he intended. Either way, there is this view that Urban Meyer coming to Jacksonville is a leap because of the college to the NFL game. There feels like there is an NFL fraternity. Some people like it. Some people won't. Rex Ryan on the same show said, welcome to the big boy league. So first of all, we haven't talked to you since. So what do you think of it, the Urban Meyer hire? And also, how much of a transition will it be and can it work? Well, look, uh, and by the way, uh, Rex is somebody that's never been quiet about his own shameless want for some of these jobs. So I think you have to understand you know, I've worked with him on Get Up a long time ago, and uh, this was, at the time he was even saying, well, I could have done that job better. So, like, there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to have plenty to say about a college coach making the leap. But look, uh, Urban Meyer, I don't worry about a college coach making the leap, especially Urban Meyer making the leap, because as you referenced earlier, Brent, uh, it, we are seeing now more and more of the college concepts come into the NFL, and it's coming in with some level of success. That's part of why we see young quarterbacks come in and deliver quickly with big historic numbers constantly because they'll come in with, with concepts that match the needs of that quarterback and they'll figure out a way to maximize it, bring some of those, uh, some of those concepts in, especially in the passing game. So I, I don't think that there's any worry on whether or not Urban Meyer's offense can handle it. The, the problem I have with the hire in general would be fear for whatever's going on health-wise with Urban because let's remember he's left a couple of jobs because of it, and the people I've talked to in the college football community, one particularly said – They've never met anybody that takes losses harder than Urban Meyer. It just seems to rock him all the way to his core. And there's a belief from some that that is what essentially spirals him to getting sick. Like one loss, whether it perceived loss, real loss, losing out on somebody in recruiting was the sort of thing that would just absolutely gut him. So if that's the case and he's going to a franchise that hasn't necessarily had the most success and is going to need a little time to rebuild it, how does he handle what he's not used to, which is losing a bunch of football games? Now, you know, that's, the, to me, the biggest question about it, because remembering that these contracts for coaches are fully guaranteed, you're now all in. Aside from that, I mean, here's the thing. We never know with coaching hires. And you can go back and, and just do a quick Google search on ranking the coaching hires, and you'll see how often we're wrong when you look back five years ago at which coach was supposed to be great and which one wasn't. So, if I'm the Jags as an organization in the city of Jacksonville right now, I don't know that there's ever been a time that I've been more excited about my present and my future because I now know that I have a big-name coach, and I now know that I'm about to get a once-in-a-generation Peyton Manning-like quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, what else would you possibly want as a fan base? So, you know, I, I would at least give him a shot before I decided that he can't coach in the NFL. 
talking to Jason Fitz from ESPN. Jason, I kind of want a, a national media's perspective here. Um, and I kind of said this last week a little bit. Like, when you look at the Seattle Seahawks in the 90s and early 2000s, I mean, there was a couple runs, but nothing major, right? And they weren't really that cool team to cheer for. Pete Carroll comes in, um, adds energy, adds the players. They get new uniforms, and all of a sudden we're talking about the 12th man. Now we're talking about one of the you know the best fan bases, quote-unquote, in the entire NFL. And to me, that all stemmed from Pete Carroll. Could you see kind of a, you know, like a like an, an uprising, if you will, and kind of be like the Seattle Seahawks of the East with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the type of energy that Urban Meyer could bring to the community and, more importantly, bring to the team? Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right, by the way. When I was a kid in Vegas, uh, the Seahawks were a rival to the Raiders because they were all in the AFC West at the time. Kids, you may not remember this, but there was a realignment in the NFL. So I grew up anti-Seattle Seahawks, right? But I never saw Seahawks fans anywhere. And I was with Sonny, my wife. We were in Vegas uh, years ago, right, as the Super Bowl runs started for Seattle. And I remember telling her at the time, we were there on a Sunday, and everywhere you looked, you saw Seahawks jerseys everywhere. Like Vegas was overrun with Seahawks jerseys. And I told her, I said, man, I, I just want to see one of these. It says the name Steve Largent instead of everything <laughs> being, you know, about a, a recent new player. But you're absolutely right. They did a smart thing in a brand redesign that really hit it hit hard. If I were the Jags, by the way, I'd be considering doing the same exact thing, I, a, a full, like, let's make sure we have the swag that everybody's going to want because you're about to have a quarterback everybody's going to buy the jersey for, for. So the Seahawks picked a really good time to reinvent their media image, and they did it around a coach that was sort of a, a rock star personality that people gravitated to and then players gravitated to. And uh, we've seen what it's meant for them. And now they they get what they never used to get, which is benefit of the doubt. Like when things don't go well for the Seahawks, it's never, oh, time to change everything. It's always, well, they'll tweak it and get it right next year. So that's the power that comes when you get the right combination of coach and quarterback. And that's what Jacksonville's got to – like, you've got to believe that today. You've got to believe that you have it. Otherwise, you're in for years of futility. So if you don't believe that today, when will you? Yeah. So, yeah, 100%. Jason, I think you're right on the money, too, and I think people do believe it. I mean, there's a there's a buzz around here. There really is. I mean, there has been ever since the Jets won against the Rams to give the Jags a front-row seat for the number one pick, and then they clinched it. There was that eight-day stretch. There was a buzz. Trevor Lawrence, big difference than having the number two pick. But I'm actually a little bit surprised Meyer has had this much of a buzz. I mean, season ticket deposits, uh, the way people have reacted, I think they feel exactly what you just said. What's interesting about the Seattle comp is Pete Carroll's a real likable guy. I don't know if Urban is that way across the board. I, I, I don't know if people would characterize him as that across the board. But sometimes polarizing is good and just gets as much attention because yeah. you pick a side. And, and by the way, Seattle had a little bit of that. Not everybody loves Richard Sherman, mm-hmm. uh, but they did like Russell Wilson. I think the quarterback around here, Trevor Lawrence, is a very likable guy, and I think people will like him. So that's fascinating. Hey, got to talk playoffs with you before we let you go. Uh, was there a major surprise for you at all this weekend, now with the final four set, Packers, Bills win, Chiefs win, Bucks win? Uh, we're set up for a beauty. Uh, we love both of the matchups. It's fantastic for the NFL. But is there a surprise in any of it that you saw over the weekend? I was surprised that the Saints – I mean, I picked the Saints to win over the Bucks. I was surprised that Breeze looked that bad. And, you know, we all saw it, uh, you know, and there, there are moments. What I really walked away from, from that game and as we get into, you know, what we're seeing this weekend, I, one of my buddies texted me uh, as Aaron Rodgers was just lighting it up and said, why did this team ever draft a quarterback? And then I was sitting there Sunday night watching the Bucks take on the Saints thinking – that's why the Packers drafted a quarterback. Like, they are in this little window 
that I can't believe I'm saying this, but they're actually sort of playing with house money. Like they they are, and they have a legitimate shot at winning the Super Bowl this year. And on top of that, they've identified what they think their future is. So I'm looking around at the Saints, who may or may not have their future. The, the Bucks obviously are all in on Brady for now and for let's see how long. But like other teams, like the Steelers, have no idea what they're doing at quarterback. I keep looking at the Packers, saying quietly, sneakily. The Packers have only gotten better in year two under Matt LaFleur. Aaron Rodgers playing incredible football right now. He's doing like Mahomes things as he extends plays. It is fun to watch. And, oh, by the way, they've really put themselves in a situation where they believe they've set themselves up for the future. I don't know. Like, that, that's a stunning realization to me. So that was the biggest surprise. I think the AFC can look at it and say, hey, we've got young quarterbacks that are going to make this conference great for the next 10 years. That's their big takeaway. But I'm still looking at that, that Packers unexpected season saying, hey, Tip of the hat to them. I agree with you, especially since I had the Minnesota Vikings were in that division. You know, and I haven't heard uh, from my hometown ever since I made that pick, so it is what it is. Shout out to my old Wisconsin. With that They've locked said. the doors on They've your hometown. They've locked the doors on me, and they let Brent right in because he picked right. the Packers. Yeah. You go to the pickle um, when you're up there, by exactly. the way. Exactly. Hit up the pickle. Hit up the pickle. Uh, you know, speaking of cornerbacks, I mean, let's shift gears a little bit and talk to Sean Watson real quick. Um you know, it's it's an absolute dumpster fire right now in Houston. I've actually gone away from Jets Twitter, and I'm back on board on Houston Twitter because uh, <laughs> it is it is an absolute just spectacle what's transpiring right now. You hear Deshaun Watson wants out. You hear that he wants to be enemy as the coach. You, you hear maybe the most important position in all professional sports is maybe getting his way right now, Jason. Are we going to see a revolution in how star players, especially from the quarterback position, have an influence over a team? Or do you see the Houston Texans just saying, you know what, Deshaun, if you don't want to buy in, so be it. We'll trade you away, and it's business as usual for the Houston Texans. I think there's going to be very few players that will ever have the leg leverage that Deshaun has right now. Now, that being said, there are going to be a handful of them, and you know, I think the fear has got to be that as guys get uh, disenfranchised, what keeps them from just walking away? You know, And so that's that's got to be part of the fear if you're the Texans. The fact is, you blew it. If you're a Texans fan, I don't know that you've ever felt worse. You know, we just talked about how great Jags fans feel. If you're a Texans fan, I don't know what you feel good about at all. And I'm telling you, and, and this goes for my beloved Raiders, I don't care what you have to give up. If you have a shot at Deshaun Watson, you take that shot all day, every day. Uh, I, and I realize that doesn't apply to you guys. you got the number one pick in the draft. You believe in Trevor Lawrence. I believe improve a concept at the quarterback position, and I think that Deshaun Watson has shown everybody that he can be almost as good as Patrick Mahomes. you got a chance to acquire Patrick Mahomes-like play at the age 24 or 25 where you're going to have the quarterback position set for the next 14 years. I don't care if you have to give up every first and second round draft pick for the next five years. I don't care. Ask your pro scouting department to do a better job. Get your draft scouting department in line. Get your GM in line and actually use the picks that you have in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round to get talent around them. When you have a chance for a generational game-changing talent at the quarterback position, you do whatever it takes to get it. So I think everybody, everybody keeps talking about the Jets. I think everybody should be absolutely all in on trying to acquire Deshaun Watson, no matter what they have to give up, because you'll have time to build a roster around him. Yeah, he's, get, a, he's a superstar. Yeah, I wouldn't get that diet Patrick Mahomes, just kind of like Josh Jacobs at the diet James Robinson, if yeah. you will. I can. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Hey, I like to call myself like the, the Kmart Blue Light special version of Jesse Palmer. Like, you know, go with a little like little growth on the face, a little spiky hair, like you know, face are good looking or tall, but I'm cheaper. So you know what, like. I'm the I'm the unrestricted free agent version of Jesse Paul. He's, He's the Kirkland yeah, brand yeah. with tattoos. You can do like the the Bachelor on like the ABC's <laughs> digital channel or something. 
right, yeah, I mean, he does some of these, like, cooking war shows, and I'm like, look, I'm going to kick his butt and take the job at some point, you know? like, But maybe if he's on, like, Food TV, maybe I end up on, like, some random channel that, you know, so HGTV launching their first food show. Like, maybe that's where I end up. I, that, 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 that's what, you know, Watson's a little closer to Mahomes than I am to Jesse Palmer, but still. We, we love Very you more comparable. than we love Jesse Palmer. No Absolutely. doubt about it. Jason Fitzpain and Fitz, 7 o'clock all across the country on ESPN Radio. Thanks, man. Good to hear from you. You guys are the best. Have a great week. All right. Uh, do you think Deshaun Watson, by the way, plays again uh, for the Houston <sighs> Texans? Texans? I don't think so. I think that that's a fractured relationship. Um, I think that they're going to try to get as much as you can for him, but I think if you keep him around, it's over. Now, unless, listen, to me, and it's funny, but it's the truth. J.J. Watt? could be a key role in this whole thing, right? Because to me, the problem is Jack Easterby, right? How that guy still has a job, and I'm not sure if you followed the whole Jack yeah, Easterby absolutely. thing, but I'm saying to our listeners, yeah, yeah. check that whole thing out, because it's a... It's we a brought set that up of, a couple times now, yeah. a few weeks ago, before the Watson yeah. stuff, because the article in SI, go read a couple articles yeah. in Sports Illustrated, and again, I, you don't have to believe everything you read, mm-hmm. but there's a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot there. Yeah, and, uh, and then Andre Johnson comes out and speaks against it, and listen, Andre Johnson, of all people, a guy who's very quiet, quiet. Um, yes. doesn't come out, so like, the whole Jack Easterby thing, like, listen, this is where, in my opinion, leaders gotta step up, and with all due respect to Deshaun Watson, because he is a polarizing figure in that city, J.J. Watt has him trumped, in my opinion. All right, For all the men, J.J. Watt's done for that city and just what he's given to that team, he still is the star of that team, I feel like. Huh. And I'm, Maybe I'm completely wrong. Interesting. Right? Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like if J.J. Watt comes out and says something... You might you might see some fireworks. Actually, I think it's almost bigger than anybody in Houston right now. I think this all is on Deshaun. And keep in mind, David Mulligan is his agent. Same mm-hmm. one, Jalen Ramsey. You got out of here. And, and, yeah. and I don't say that in a negative light. I know around here that's a negative Jaylen light. Jalen got what he wanted. I, he got what he wanted, but I also think Mulligan and probably believes in and is trying for his clients. Uh, again, this is his job to make player empowerment more of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so this is another one of the player empowerment. They won that. Whether you believe the Rams won, Jags won, whatever, I believe the Rams won anyway because I think he's maybe the greatest player to play here. Yeah. But the, from a player empowerment standpoint, he got what he wanted, mm-hmm. which is out. And so they won in that realm. Well, I think that's what that might be trying to go on here, too. And, and a belief, I, don't, I don't know Mulligan, so I'm not trying to put him in a cert. But he proved that a little bit with Ramsey. Yeah. And, and I think big contracts are what you're after in an agent. He was able to do that with Ramsey, able to do that with Watson others. He, he might be one of the hottest agents going right now, but I do think player empowerment is part of it, mm-hmm. and how can you give the player more power? We've had discussions about this. There are positives, there are negatives. The bottom line is, they're a hot commodity, a valuable commodity, an expensive commodity, and so whether he should be picking the GM, the head coach, or not, you still have to have a listen and his interest and his happiness in mind. And so I think that's something to watch here. That's where I think the common ground of the agent with Ramsey and, and Watson yeah. comes into play because I don't know, once they say, once it goes bad, I'm not sure there's an olive branch you can reach out to to fix it. Yeah, I mean, I think that relationship is probably severed once again, unless J.J. Watt. But, you know, I mean, a guy that's on his back, not of his career, though, I'm not sure how much influence he has. But in terms of the face of the organization, I still consider J.J. Watt to be up there. It's interesting because if you compare this to what Tom Coughlin was going through here in Jacksonville, right, um, there was obviously a few players in that locker room that didn't like the way Tom Coughlin was running things. Now, those things came to a head, and you lost Jalen Ramsey, and Yannick Ngakwe didn't get um, his new contract here and all that stuff. But like, what put it over the top was Grievance Gate, 
right? When all of a sudden the grievances were all brought up and saying, you know, I think 75% of the NFL's grievances came from Jacksonville. Well, that's got Tom Coughlin all over it. So once that came out and once the optics were worse enough, you had to let him go, okay? What's happening in, in Houston right now is even worse because you have Andre Johnson, a guy who's on the Mount Rushmore of Houston Texans. You have a guy, obviously, in, in DeAndre Hopkins, who's probably also on the Mount Rushmore of Houston Texans, who came out and said he agrees with Andre Johnson. It is Jack Easterby. So you got two former players like that who came out and said he's the problem. Deshaun Watson has come out and said he could be the problem. So when you have three players, Brent, three well-respected players come out and say something, I mean, at what point, if you're the Houston Texans management, do you go, well, maybe we should start listening to our former and current players? Like, that would be the equivalent to, like, Clayus Campbell coming out and saying something about Tom Coughlin. Like, eventually you'd probably listen to Clayus Campbell and you'd trust him. For whatever reason right now, it seems like there's not a trust factor in Houston. I got one more question on this one. It sounds like Eric bieniemy has been interviewed. Kind of this last-minute thing. They kind of went around the league circles to make it happen. There's obviously an optic play here. Mm-hmm. Minority head coach. Why isn't he getting a job? Why wasn't he even interviewed by the Houston Texans to begin with? Deshaun Watson would like him interviewed in the reports. When all that is said and done, and what if they offer the job to Bieniemy in much reason as as they want him to be the guy they think he could be the guy but to repair the relationship with watson mm-hmm. why would be enemy take it i wouldn't like why would he even take it and how much is on be enemy to take it if he gets offered a job considering right now the narrative is there's not enough minority head coaches being offered a job the enemy hasn't been offered a job yet, but yeah. then if he gets offered the job, this one of all jobs where Bad a lot of optics. people would turn around, turn down, yeah. what if he turns it down? Listen, we always talk about the right fit, right? And in terms of any coach wanting to go there right now, unless you're super desperate, and I'm not sure how desperate Eric Bieniemy is, the fact that he hasn't had a head coaching job yet is very peculiar to me, but... Everyone's got their levels, man. And I feel like anybody who wants to go to Houston right now, you're asking for problems. So would it be a bad look on the enemy's part? Possibly, because one coach could say, you know what? It's so bad here right now. Let me be the guy to fix it. it. There's a little bit of that. Yeah, and there's, there's, every there's, there's a little bit of that. Right. But let's be honest. If you lose Deshaun Watson and you got to start from scratch again, who wants to do that, honestly? Well, he's not taking the job without Deshaun Watson. Like, yeah. if, if I'm the enemy, I'm saying... I'm taking the job because of Deshaun Watson. By the way, you're firing Easterby. I don't like the feel in here. Mm-hmm. That, that's the only way I would take it. Mm-hmm. But don't you sense what, what I said is is accurate? The enemy, in, to no fault of his own, is being put on this like pedestal. He's kind of like the poster child of minority coaches mm-hmm. right now that has had so much success as being endorsed yet not getting a job. And that's a big issue, by the way, in the NFL. Yet, does he feel pressure to say, if I get offered a job, I have to take it because I've been put on this pedestal? And what if I turned it down? I mean, it's it's like this great conflict, I would think, if I'm it the is. enemy. If that happens, by the way, he has been offered the job. But I'm just saying, what if? I mean, it, Brent, there's a lot going a, on there. No, right? it's a, it's definitely a great question, and there's not. I don't have a perfect answer for you. I, I wish I did. I love to have the perfect answer to, you know, try to counter your argument, but I don't, man. Like, um, there's pros and cons to each side. It obviously it starts with Watson. If Watson is there, then you have a quarterback you can build around, and obviously Bianami being an offensive minded guy yeah. can do that. But I'm not so sure if Watson's going to be sticking around, man. Because like he said, Brent, he was at a two and not going to Hopkins. He's at a 10 right now. Okay, he's at a 10, he said. Depending on what goes on with Watson, 
you might be looking to just grab a coach for the next couple of years, give him the job, not even worried about winning, just to fix it mm-hmm. and have a better look in three years down the road when you hire your next guy. Yeah. I mean, that organization all of a sudden is going backwards in a hurry. Yeah. And you're going to have a lot of other guys wanting to depart. You watch. Shout out to their PR department, too. You should probably give them a little raise. Well, they fired up. one of their PR folks, yeah. remember? Yeah. That was part of it <laughs> Yeah, this for year. sure, for sure. Uh, we'll be back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6 now. Brent Martineau. Some uh, NBA play-by-play here this week as well. Right here on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. Hey, you're right? <laughs> yeah, I know. You look Good. over like, are you going to make it? Yeah, man. I'm making sure we're all good here. Hey, listen, hey. I, I get choked up about the new lineup. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. I would have to figure out how to get the Deshaun deal done, and I would sell Deshaun on the fact that he could be in New York. Mm-hmm. And if he wins big in New York, he could surpass Patrick Mahomes. And he could surpass, mm. yes, absolutely. If he wins big in New York, if he wins in New York, he, he go, he, you know you're from here. Mm-hmm. He's going to pass Patrick Mahomes. If he wins a Super Bowl and an MVP, when was the last time an NFL player won MVP here in the city of New York? I see Keyshawn Johnson's been listening to uh, sports radio in New York as well, huh? <laughs> what is that what is station that? up there that we the had fan? A back and forth? Nah, it wasn't the fan, though. It was the ESPN affiliate up there. Um, what a... Mm. Well, listen, if, if you win a Super Bowl and an MVP anywhere, you're going to be big. Yeah, Brent, but it's New York. You and know? Deshaun Watson's already hey, big. Hey, but you know what? Keyshawn, stop it's, it. Yeah, Give me the damn microphone. Like, uh, imagine winning in a place where there's snow on the ground in the wintertime. Like, that, that's a big deal, Brent. It's a big deal there. That was from big Keyshawn city. Johnson. And- Listen, Zubin and Jay Williams in the morning, 6 a.m. until 10 a.m. right here on ESPN 690. You can yell at the radio just like I yelled at them. Yeah. I mean, cool. New York, is that the destination? Does he want to go play for the Jets? Because guess what? They're rebuilding right now. Like, what about the Saints? What about replacing Drew Brees? What, what, what about like Sean Payton having a new re, reinvigorated sense of, of duty here and calling plays and getting Deshaun Watson in the mix? What about the Saints? That'd be a big move. That would be. But, you know, uh, the quarterback shuffle this year could be fascinating, man. Matthew Stafford, Sam Darnold, Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. uh, Carson Wentz, although it looks like Wentz won the deal there instead of staying in Philly. Sorry, but, Doug. Um, Doug Peterson, that is. By the way, is know. Philly, like, going to interview every human being mm-hmm. on Earth? Oh, I'm getting called uh, tomorrow. I'm, <laughs> I'm expecting my call made and reached oh, out to one me. One time. I'm right. I'm like, right <laughs> right. Who's grew up there? Who's got ties? It's a good old boy network. By the way, like, are they going to interview President Trump starting tomorrow? <laughs> I guess that happened. You never know, man. I mean, you they never are doing know. the interviews in Florida after all. You never all. know. So uh, it's it's unbelievable how many interviews they're doing. Oh, a quick one more thought on Biennemi because I can't let this go. We were just talking about it in the break, yeah. and I really do feel like Biennemi might be putting in a in a an unfair position. And I don't. This might be crazy, okay? And you can stop me if it is. And. Uh, I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but Hit me with it. the comparison I make is almost like the way Tiger Woods was when he first came out, mm-hmm. right? He was this African-American golfer, mm-hmm. and he was taking the golf world by storm in a white man's sport. Mm-hmm. And so everybody's like, you have to talk about social issues. You have to do this. And Tiger was essentially just like, hey, I just want to play golf, yeah. right? And if I can impact people, great, but I'm not going to talk about this. It just and, wasn't him. And people d- didn't like that. Like, yeah. they really didn't like that. Yeah. Well, so now, and again, I understand this isn't apples to apples. I'm just telling you what it reminds me of. And so now 
this conversation with the Rooney Rule and minorities in coaching, whether it's college or the NFL or in, or in administrative roles like GMs, it's it's a topic. It's been a topic. The NFL is trying to do something about it. Not yeah. successfully, it looks like. We're in another coaching cycle where Robert Sala is a minority, but it's let's be he's honest, a minority. Right? Yeah, well, and then let's be honest, though. Like, he doesn't represent the black community. He doesn't. Okay, like, the, the black community wasn't on Twitter celebrating when Robert Sala got, you know, the job at the New York. Chess. And so now you're getting Dan Campbell to the Lions and Staley to the Rams. And by the way, this is the greatest example of it. You're getting Rams coach Staley, who's mm-hmm. young and might be a very good coach. This is not a knock on him. But he's a defensive guy where offensive guys seemingly are getting hired in a lot of places, where you have a young offensive court, a, a franchise quarterback, so why wouldn't you hire the offensive guy? And they go hire the guy next door that is a white yeah. man who's young and yeah. that is a defensive guy. So it that means, okay, is the Rooney Rule working? Uh, are we, is, is there... Is there a prejudice in in the NFL ranks about hiring minorities? But where I come from on this is what we just talked about is like, okay, you first of all, he got an interview, not because the Texans wanted to interview Eric Bieniemy. Amazingly, everybody else did, but he they didn't. We even talked about. that. Yeah. And and so they get an interview because of the discord with Deshaun Watson. Mm -hmm. Well, now is I wouldn't take touch that job with a 10 foot pole, man. Yeah. If I'm white, black, anything, I would not touch that job right now. I don't care if Deshaun Watson's there. It's a mess in Houston. I want to be put in a position to succeed. That mm-hmm. does not look like a position to succeed, whether you have Watson or not. But isn't the enemy almost, if he is offered the job, mm-hmm. has he been put out there as on, on like this pedestal to say, well, he represents minority coaching. Look at him off. Offensive guy with Patrick Mahomes, endorsed by Andy Reid, most successful organization in the last couple of years, and this guy doesn't have a job yet. And by the way, those are all facts, and that is kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. But does now he have to take the job or any job he gets offered almost to appease the folks that have been fighting for him in that regard? Yeah, listen, I'm not going to make this a, a black or white issue with the black community. I'm going to call this a racial injustice community, right? So the, the people that say, you know, that cry, you know what, this isn't fair um, because the, the color of this guy's skin, he can't get a job, okay? And we talked about this during the break a little bit, Brent. Like, one of the things about football, and when we, we talk about the and in the realms of balance and everything being equal, listen, if you have a really good season, guess what? You pick later in the draft. If you have a really good year or years, Keep in mind, uh, AFC Championship for the third year in a row for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, hosting. If you have good years, your teams get poached from the coaches, right? Yeah. It happens with with the Patriots. It should be happening with the Chiefs. A little bit with the Chiefs, but it probably should be happening more. So we're predispositioned to think like, okay, well, they're a really good team. That means the coordinators must have to go someplace else and be head coaches because of the success. And people... In the racial injustice communities that cry out racial injustice, they they appoint and they put people on the pedestal. And I feel like in the world of sports right now, Biennemi is that guy. Now, did Biennemi ask for that? Absolutely not. No. But in a sport that has predominantly a lot of black athletes. Um, in 70%. A, 70%. Um, and obviously in a sport that has a lot of black followers uh, and a lot of racial injustice followers, let's just say, uh, they put him in, like he's the guy now. Yeah. Okay. Whether That's he why wants comparison to, be, to Woods a little bit. Correct. Right? Like whether he wants to be yeah. though, he's he's the guy, and, and it is what it is. So, to answer your question, does Bienemy 
have to take the Houston job to make it right with the communities, right? Because let's be honest, a lot of them right now, they're on bated breath. They're like, okay, come on, man, you got to do this. Let's go celebrate in the streets because you're going to take this job and it shows that we're making progress. There's no right answer. Okay, I, I think there is one. Though. Okay, well, what's the answer? I, I think the answer is no because if I'm battling for that, which we all but everybody should understand. be battling be, for diversity, but yeah, but you if, get it, Brent. Well, but what I would say if I was really in that cor- corner and yeah. want and wanted to celebrate, you know, Eric Bieniemy being a head coach, I also want to celebrate Eric Bieniemy being a successful head coach. Without a doubt. So I would wait. I would mm-hmm. not take Houston. Houston is a bad job. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it has Deshaun Watson. Right now, the person who goes into Houston is not winning the next few years. Mm-hmm. They're in a bad spot to win, man. Yeah. I don't care. Like I said, white, black, whatever. Man, woman, 30, 70. They're not winning in Houston. Yeah. It's too hard. And so I would say to be enemy, listen, you do where you go where you can go because you, one, you feel like you can win. Mm-hmm. One, you feel like it's a good fit. And also because you can be successful. You can't be successful there. I'd wait. Well, Brent, and I, and I and listen, let's not get a twister. I wholeheartedly agree with you. You know why? Because we we talk the game in and out. Like we understand the game of football. You've been covering it a lot longer than I have. Like you get the game of football. That's why I'm here with you because you can talk it. We understand it. That community though, Brent, they don't always get the big picture. Okay, and I'm just saying, when you have an opportunity to become the head coach, and you decline that. There'll be the other group out there that says, "Well, he had a shot." Like, yeah. what, what are you guys complaining about? I know. And, and listen, and the last thing that you know, the racial injustice community that wants to fight for it wants to have to do is defend their guy for not taking the job. So, I get where you're coming from. We're coming from the same spot right now, but I'm just talking about all the people in, in a in a generality here in terms of fighting the cause. They don't get it. Yeah. Well, here's what the most important part is: the people in NFL circles who do the hiring yeah. have to get it. Correct. They have to say, "Hey." Why didn't you take that job? Why? Because nobody wants that job. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's There's a reason it's still out there. Exactly. And you have to make it super transparent. I agree with you there. Let's go to the phones. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Tony's uh, along with us. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, fellas, man? <laughs> it's been a while. Um, I talked to you maybe like maybe a couple months ago, man. But, hey, great um, to hear from you again. No problem. But I wanted to comment on this question or on this response, I guess the, the message. Um I think the enemy should not take the job because, for, for one, they didn't want him anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The only reason why they want him now is because Deshaun Watson said, hey, that's the person I really wanted. Y'all didn't interview him at all. So why take? Why go and take that job just because you want to appease Deshaun Watson? Deshaun Watson might leave anyway just because. So I don't, I don't think the enemy should take it. Tony, yeah, I appreciate the call, man. I, and I, no, I agree with you, man. I, I think you're right on there. That's all you got to say, actually. And, and by the <laughs> that's way, a great point. Hey, there's one other thing I think we have to really make sure crystal clear. One, he hasn't been offered the job, at least that we've seen. I and we've been on for a couple hours, so I haven't seen that. Yeah. I think the idea of what if he gets offered the job. And also, we really don't know, although Deshaun Watson, I think there's a ton of smoke here. We don't know exactly how Deshaun Watson feels. Mm-hmm. One, about the enemy. And two, about the organization, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on, and I know we buy into it, but that stuff can change, too. So we just don't know exactly uh, the circumstances of, of Watson's feelings about what's going on. I mean, Watson could simply say, hey, listen, get rid of Easterby, man. I'm all good. Could be as simple as that. Sure. He could say simply, get me the enemy. I'm all good. Yeah. Right? We'll fix this thing. Yeah. And, and I'm back in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know. Or he might be like, I'm all out, and I don't care who you hire. Yeah. Right. I mean, we just don't know. So I think I think we we're talking a little bit in hypotheticals here, mm-hmm. but I think it's 
it's a what if question that might be just around the corner that will be that will have a ton of eyeballs on it in the NFL. Let's just say that. Yeah, listen, if I'm the enemy, go out there when you get another Super Bowl. I don't know how much influence you have on the offense. Doesn't matter. Win another Super Bowl. Add that to your resume. And I don't care how bad you are in interviews. Eventually, they will not be able to deny you. Yeah. I mean, eventually, it'll get to the point where it'll be like, you guys are stupid for not taking BNM. Yeah. Simple as that. Listen, I mean, I I was on BNM. I was a top three guy for me. No problem. Like, I wouldn't Same have here. any problem. And, Same here. And so, but we're not in these interviews. Is it because he interviews poorly? What is I mean, the reasoning? I listen, don't know. We had Maurice Jones Drew on the show, and I get it. Like, he loved you, you know, I mean, he, he, it's his former coach, so, you know, he's a little biased, but... Everything Mo was saying about the enemy, I was a fan of. I'll just say that much. Hey, a couple things from the NFL weekend, including a rule that is stupid. Uh, that's on the way. <laughs> and uh, it sounds like the Jags are keeping their offensive line coach. Do you like that? I've got a theory on why. Hey, by the way, not so stupid. Oh, here we go. You ready, are you ready for this one? Yeah. Yeah. Not so stupid. Yeah, it is stupid. Not, we'll be back on Action stupid. Sports Jackson. I, I knew the hey. defensive guy would say not so stupid. It ain't Bail that stupid. Our ass out for not making a play. It we'll ain't be back stupid. on Action Sports Jackson on ESPN 690. I hate the rule. I've always hated it, right? Because it's the only place on the field where if an offensive player fumbles the ball the de- and, and no one recovers it because it goes out of bounds, the defense gets possession of the football. This is not a new reaction I have to the rule. I've always felt this way. One of my biggest issues with rules in the NFL, and this certainly applies to defensive players trying to tackle the quarterback, is the NFL has made too many things that are instinctual for athletes, penalties. The whole rule about how you can't land on the quarterback when you're tackling him. The NFL asks a lot of its players. This is an example of where I think instincts take over, and I can't blame the offensive player for wanting to reach. Chill out. That is Field Yates from ESPN, and I agree. Chill out, Field. I agree. Chill out, Field Yates. This is a massive play in this game. Huge play, Brent. And it brought up a lot of great conversation, like Bill Belichick and other teams teach not to dive for this purpose, right? Uh, you kind of, it's like around the goal line a lot where you see quarterbacks, they'll reach the ball out, yeah, right? Reckless. And a lot of times that gets knocked backwards, reckless you know, behavior. to the field of play, but mm-hmm. you got to take care of the football is what people will say. Is that what people say or is that what you're supposed to do? Uh, what do you mean that's what takes. people say? That's well, the fundamental of football. Should you get ejected for the game for fumbling around the 43-yard line that going out of bounds then? Hey, who's getting injected? How about those people get injected? Well, I just want some consequence if you're going to fumble. I mean, you didn't take care of the rock. Hey, I want a consequence. you get injected here or anything. Here's, my biggest, here's the biggest beef that I have. And All I know right, you're that's a defensive nice, That's a nice looking soapbox you're standing on. Okay, I hate the rule. I think it's a dumb rule. Sure. Every time it comes up, I think it's a dumb rule. Mm-hmm. It's too penalizing for the offense. A little, sound and, a little sensitive right now, but go on. I, I am sensitive yes. because why then doesn't the defense get the ball or is there more of a penalty when you fumble at the 43-yard? line goes out of bounds at the 36 and they put it back at the 43 and say it's first down offense sometimes it's a first down if they'd already passed the sticks why is that rewarded to the offense and then around the goal line it's not for the offense it's rewarded for defense who never even touched the football sometimes because it's the end zone all right or as nickelodeon called it it's the slime zone that's that. That's a little more important than the ten yard line or the five yard line. Oh, it's the end zone. It's important. Uh, so uh, you're you're a big. Uh, hey, hey, last time I checked it, when you cross it, you score six points. So yeah. So you're a big. You're man. a big believer in letting the whistle eat the whistle in the final thirty seconds of a game rather than the final five minutes of a game. 
What does that have to do with anything, Brent? What, what you so you want to you want to govern differently. I want to govern segments different. of the field, different times of the game. Brent, I just think the goal line is one of the most important lines in all football. So, yeah, when you cross the 20-yard line, that's pretty good. When you cross the goal line, points are in play. And when points are in play, rules must be adjusted. I'm not, I don't want to give the touchdown, by the way. That's not what I've said. I, I don't think you should get the touchdown. Mm-hmm. The ball in that spot yeah. should have gone back for, for Higgins there, should have gone back to the two-yard line where he fumbled. Yeah. Uh, listen, you still have a chance to listen, stop them, by the way. Listen, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I guess I'm not surprised. You shouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised I'm, by you either. I'm, I'm not really surprised. I expected more from you, though, in terms of reckless behavior. You're a guy that likes to play it safe. I mean, with all due respect, you're a guy that understands the wholesomeness of a game. And when a guy like Rashard Higgins puts the ball that recklessly, holds it like a loaf of bread, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to lose the ball. Because whether it's Pop Warner, whether it's high school, whether it's flag football and you're in second grade. Shout out to my second grade coach, Tim Heise, who taught me this very first thing. First rule football. You hold on the ball, okay? You don't drop the ball. You hold on to it, all right? It's been ingrained in myself and football players all across the country since we were kids, Brent. So when you have a guy that is playing the highest level of football, acts so recklessly, and I understand, you know, the, 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 the end zone, it's it's a siren, and then sometimes you get you get swayed by its seductive song, if you will. And I get what Rashard Higgins was trying to do: put the team on your back, put the, top, the city of Cleveland on your back. Times have been tough there. I understand all of that, but when you did that, you lost the number one fundamental of all football: you hang on to the ball. He didn't do that, and unfortunately, Rashad Higgins, when you don't do that, you lose the football. I have no problem with it, Brent. No problem whatsoever. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Heaven forbid we have one defensive rule anymore in the NFL. Uh, That's fair. Heaven forbid. And listen. listen, I say the same thing about you defenders. Was that helmet on helmet right there? No. No, that was a good play. (laughs) What what do you want Sorensen to do? What what do you want him to do, Brent? Oh, okay. Uh, I'm going 20 miles per hour right now. Uh, He's going to score a touchdown. Let me be sure to put my right hand out and put my shoulder right into his sternum. Oh, no, that's right. I'm playing football and it's like boom, boom. Okay? Well, that's not how it works. My, my point to that is, first of all, I think there's a rule that if your helmet dislodges the ball, it doesn't even matter. Like, it sure. doesn't come into play. Yeah. Um, but you know me. I'm a big... I, I hate... The actual, the rule I hate more in football is the ejection for the college player yeah. for lowering his helmet. Yeah. I understand you shouldn't do it. Targeted. I understand yep. you should be penalized for it. 15 yards. But... To, for one offense of that in a game, mm-hmm. to lower your head and be ejected while you could, I could sit there in a football game and shove you in the face yeah. after the whistle, and and that could be Listen. a 15-yarder, but I stay in the game. Like, there's more malicious nature in that than there is in leading with the crown of your helmet. So I think that's not, a stupid rule, I'm not rule mad too. at that. Okay, good. So we're on the same page there. Yeah, we don't like that. We think it's too severe. Like, I if mean, you do it twice a, in a game, get them out of there. Fine. Absolutely. Fair enough. But yeah. one time in a game yeah. is ridiculous, and people disagree with me on that. Yeah. Safety of the game, I understand. Sure. But, again, I think you are, when we start penalizing effort plays a guy leading with the crown of his helmet trying to make a tackle is still making an effort play he just did it wrong fundamentally a guy reaching for a pile on or reaching for extra yardage making an effort play but he did it fundamentally in the wrong way he lost the football Mm -hmm. and sometimes by the way loses the football without the defender doing a darn thing so therefore reward rewarding a defense for not making a play at all sometimes brent listen and 
I, I say your praise is the last segment. I said, you know the game of football. I respect you. I love having conversations. And then you lay this crap on me, man. And, and now you Jack go to the status quo. And now you go to the, the status quo. Like, anytime a, a, a defender gets bailed out one time, nope, nope, I don't agree with that. Offensive-driven league, offensive-driven <laughs> league. You just said it got listen, bailed out. Listen, listen, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Brent, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have Don Beebe from Super Bowl XXV11. So you know what that means because I don't. And we're going to have him on the show. And that, that play when the Dallas Cowboys yeah. lineman was running down the field, and Don Beebe, this play lives in infamy. It's yeah, one of the it best, most hustle plays ever. Like coaches in Wisconsin, uh, he's from Buffalo, but he played Wisconsin. Yeah, but he's still like, coaches in Wisconsin. They'll, they'll still play this for their pop Warner kids. Say, look what Don Beebe did. Don Beebe hustles his butt off, slaps the ball out of bounds, and then the Bills get the play back. Why? Because Don Beebe hustled his butt off to make that play happen. So you mean to tell me right now? That play doesn't happen? You mean to tell me right now that the, the Dallas Cowboys ball on the, on the one-yard line? Yeah. Sorry, Don? Yeah, because if he knocked it out at the 43, the Dallas Cowboys would have kept it at the 43. The cojones on you to talk bad about Don Beebe. Unbelievable, By the way, man. that was an offensive guy who made the play against kiss, the defensive hey, guy. You should have went for Len. You kiss, should be on my side hey, for hey, this. Kiss all those Wisconsin endorsements goodbye because you're going to badmouth Don Beebe. See a pickle. See a crystal cafe. Come on over the dark side. I Come over to Austin Lane side, baby. I love the pickle. We'll be back. Uh, Tony Vassello to the Hall of Fame. Will it happen? We won't know today, but it really becomes official whether it does happen or not today. He's, he's, at, he's at the goal line. Hey, don't fumble. Don't reach for the pile Don't reach for the pile Don't reach for the pile The penalty is big. Ball security. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.